0: Our second lesson is from the Gospel of John, and we're going to uh, have this um, this notion this revelation of uh, of God as shepherd uh, right uh, sort of hanging hanging over us uh, this morning um, when we think about how God superintends our daily lives how as Caleb said at communion, how how God reveals Godself as with the deep and protective love of a mother, shepherd is like that, um, and indeed I love that um, that phrase that Caleb quoted from the Old Testament, the prophet I think it's the prophet Isaiah, where God describes God's love for us in a way that. Um, you know, in, he invokes this image of of writing our names, inscribing our names on his hands. Just a lovely image. So this this idea of resting in in God's love uh, needs to be uh, permeating the atmosphere. I think this morning, and indeed it is of this worship service. Uh, uh, because when we turn to um, the reading from the Book of Acts, we're gonna. Um, Consider how, how that reading is, is, uh, uh, shows forth that same protective love of God for the church. Uh, but the reading also uh, calls us to action. And uh, any time we get called to action, we get nervous. We get performance anxiety, right? And what is it that God really wants from us? Uh, is it perfection? Is it faithfulness? What does faithfulness look like? So all that is sort of just like a rambling preface uh, To say that um, on this day, the the Lord is my shepherd Sunday, will be good for us to rest in the knowledge that we do belong to God. Through thick and thin, nothing can separate us from God's love. Um, Well, let me read the passage now. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me. But you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, they will never perish, no one will snatch them out of my hand, what my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand, the Father and I are one. This is the word of the Lord, thanks Thanks be to God. Open our ears, O Lord, that we would hear the gospel, that you would be the one who teaches us this morning, and uh, that we would... Uh, leave here being more deeply formed in the self-giving love of Christ for one another, um, affirmed in our particularity, uh, and understanding that you have given us gifts that only we can give. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, I'm going to start this morning uh, with a glance back to the book of Acts. And indeed, we're going to spend most of our time in that reading from Acts chapter 9, so you may want to flip back there. Our scene in the narrative from Acts 9 is that of a community in grief. A woman named Tabitha has died, and she is being at once honored and grieved in what appears to be her home where she had just died. The clothes that she had made and gifted to many are being remembered, as as is the place that she had as benefactress to the community. She apparently was very generous and helped sustain the community with her generosity. Tabitha has died, and the community is coming to grips with the loss of her as gift to them. Without her, will it be possible For this community to keep going. That's the picture that Luke paints for us here. The importance of this person being used by God in this community in Joppa. It remains a mystery to us why in the biblical narrative certain people are healed. Brought back to life in this case. It's a mystery to us. But here, how Luke tells the story does offer us a few clues as to what God is doing in this particular instance. A fragile community gathered around the risen Lord Jesus Christ in Joppa needs to keep growing. And it is blessed by the returning to them of someone who is clearly a leader in their midst. Now, sidebar here, Tabitha is called a disciple. This is the only time in the New Testament that the feminine form of that noun is used to describe anyone. So not only is she returned to the community with her generosity, but she is returned to the community as leader. And moreover, her healing bears witness to the gospel in a way that causes many in Joppa to believe in Jesus. The way Luke tells the story of the return of Tabitha to the community of faith in Joppa reminds us that the Lord, the good shepherd, cares well for the flock and will intervene in mysterious ways to make sure that the church presses on in bearing witness to God's generous spirit and his desire for all people to enjoy the blessings of human flourishing. There is more to the story than that though. Luke includes more details about Tabitha and her healing than he does about anyone else who is healed. Now, that's remarkable in and of itself. And I think that there's a reason for this. As we just mentioned, the healing of Tabitha surely calls forth our praise that God acts mightily to sustain the church, and he always will. But the details of the life of the community here also remind us that God is building and sustaining the church through ordinary people like you and me, that is fully on display here. Over the over the years at Grace Chicago, we have had moments of crisis where we, like those mourning the death of Tabitha, wondered if we would be able to go on. We've had times when it looked like that we wouldn't make budget, that we would run out of money. We've had times when people helping us lead couldn't help anymore, usually because they had to move out of Chicago. But in every instance, God has intervened to sustain us. The good shepherd cares well for the flock, and the good shepherd uses ordinary people in the process. I wanted to talk about the story of Tabitha's healing from this angle, One, because it's an important aspect of the story, but I also wanted to make sure that we lingered long enough on this amazing picture of Christian community, that we lingered long enough to take note that we are who we are in and because of community, and that we really need to take that seriously. For the sake of our formation as individual people, and for the sake of the sustenance and growth of the church. It's foundational. When we read this account from that perspective, we're reminded that the community that is being formed around the risen Lord Jesus Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit is a community, as Rowan Williams puts it, in which everyone is working steadily to release the gifts of others. The gift of each is inseparable from the need of each. Or to paraphrase Henri Nouwen, the community gathered by Jesus is one where we marvel in worshipful awe at the discovery of our gifts in the eyes of their receivers. Uh, That's why I was so grateful for Caleb's remarks at communion. We bring the all of us to the Lord's table. The all of us. Because truly, there is only one of you that has a distinct gift of God that can be released for someone else to enrich her or his life in a way that God desires to do it. I think that so many times we shy away from the gravitas of what it means to be a person who has unique gifts that need to be released to bless others. We shy away from it, I think, because it feels like pressure, doesn't it? It feels like, oh man, I've got to make sure I get that right. If I step up and I say that I'm going to serve in the community, then I better make sure that I can serve really, really well. And that is absolutely not the point. The point is, is that each of us in our weaknesses, in our failures, and our brokenness, Each of us finds God's grace and love to be healing and restorative to us in unique ways. And then God uses that experience, indeed the whole of our lives, the successes and the failures, to then turn around and be a blessing to others. And so I wanted to to linger over this picture of community here um, just so that we might be invited to remember that indeed when we come together as Christian people uh, in the community of the church here at Grace Chicago Church, uh, we're coming to be formed and we're coming to ask God to use us to be a blessing to other people. And, and that thought, that reality to linger upon it, that's heavy, heavy, heavy but in a very good and rich way, um, I think that you know, coming from the uh, tradition that I come from, the Reformed tradition, um, there's a tremendous degree of uh, uh, weight that's put on uh, God as shepherd who cares well for the sheep. You know that, uh, and I and I love the psalm that calls us to worship this morning, Psalm 23 and how Jesus assumes that mantle of good shepherd and, and, and the reading from the Gospel of John. And I can remember so clearly one of my professors at seminary who was from Scotland. He automatically sounded that much smarter than everybody else, right? Because he was a reformed professor from Scotland. And I just remember him so clearly talking about the Lord as shepherd. It was so beautiful and so lovely. And we used to, um, by the way, egg him on We spent the entire semester trying to get him to say, shut your cake hole. He says, my mom would never let me talk like that. I am not going to say that. And then, the last day of classes, he finally said it. That deep Scottish brogue. I thought it was great. But also, in his deep Scottish brogue, he would always point out that the picture in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, shall not want, makes me lie down in pastures green the picture there that's being painted is of the shepherd leading the flock and his two sheepdogs, one called goodness and one called mercy, following up the flock to make sure that no harm befalls the sheep. And that emphasis is so important and that's why I'm so glad that that notion of God's protection of the church and protection of, of God's people is what's sort of hanging over this worship service this morning and the songs that we've sung and, and the passages that we've read and contemplated a bit. Um, and I'm glad of it because um, the gospel is always revealed in paradox in the sense that um, there's always the other side of the coin, Uh, For us to really understand what it is that God is doing in community. And the other side of the coin is always work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You. You work it out. Fear and trembling. The fear and trembling is not because you might get it wrong. The fear and trembling is there because of the next line. The next line says because. It's the Lord who is at work within you. Because it's the Lord that is at work within you. So when we come to a passage like this, this morning, we see that sort of paradoxical truth about how God is at work in the world, how God is at work in the community, right here in that story of the healing of Tabitha. Because why is it that some people get healed and some people don't? I don't know. But I do know, because of the way Luke tells this story, Tabitha is healed to keep that church moving, to keep those widows fed and clothed. Tabitha is healed and returned to the community as gift to the community in the same way that God gives gifts to every church and has given gifts to Grace Chicago Church. And that's that piece of it that God is always at work foundationally to care so well and so powerfully and so strong as to enable us to relax but in relaxing then comes the other side of the coin oh my goodness what's on display that's happening so beautifully in Joppa What's on display is that human beings are joining with God in God's work and are blessing each other in ways that only they can. So friend, only you can unlock the gift of someone else in a particular sort of way that enriches their flourishing and yours. Part of the gospel message is to take that notion to heart, to take it seriously. Uh, a friend of mine who uh, is an oncologist, he teaches at the University of Florida School of Medicine, and, and he likes to say uh, an analogy of, of how it is that we think about our responsibility as Christians in light of God's sovereign uh, power And he says, you know, when I'm at work, I absolutely refuse to take myself seriously. And you can believe that because he has a section where he's teaching on, uh, he's teaching, uh, he has a section called, of one of his classes called, uh, oh yeah, Chemotherapy and Monty Python Search for the Holy Grail. (laughs) So this is obviously a guy that's not taking himself too seriously. He said, I don't take myself too seriously, but I take my work with utter seriousness. And he says, This is the way it is for us as people who hear the shepherd, and follow the shepherd's voice. We know we're safe because of the shepherd. And we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we take the gospel seriously. And we take God's grace to enable us to have gifts that are released for others we take that very seriously too so perhaps the next time this is what all this was building to perhaps the next time you hear about an opportunity to serve your church community in some way rather than thinking that you're inadequate to the task rather than thinking that someone else can do it better. I would invite you to pray about whether God wants you to discover your gifts in the eyes of those who receive them. And we're empowered to do it because it is God who is at work within us enabling us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Go forth in that vision of your Christian community and that vision of yourself in it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.